Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Well, you know, sometimes when I get up to preach, not always, but quite often when I get up to preach, I feel like my life has been building to this moment. And it's like, When God sets us up on a destiny and He gives us a calling and a plan and a purpose, it's a lifelong um, pursuit of what He's called us to do. And I love that for me, and in my lifelong pursuit of laying my life down for Christ and um, doing all that He's called me to do, I have these moments where I feel like it was all building to this moment. And I just see, like Pastor Mark talks about, the, the setup of God and the tapestry that He weaves in our lives to bring us to this moment. And even if you're here tonight, and it doesn't matter what season you're in or what moment you're in, you're here in the house of God. You're a believer, you're interested in this, or you're interested in this thing called faith. You actually belong to C3 if this is your home, because you love the Holy Spirit, because whether you like our loud music or the way we always do things or not, there's something here that keeps you coming back because you're interested and you're curious about what God has for you, what His plan and His purpose for you. And you're interested deeply in the Holy Spirit. That's what anchors you in this house. Not the way we do things, but the Spirit and the mantle that rests over this. And that's what how you find a church often is you find yourself kindred with the vision and the mandate and the mantle that God rests on different houses. And so you're here tonight because it's in you too that you're curious and you're hungry for the Holy Spirit and your life has been leading up to this moment. Every Sunday, I see it so clearly when I fix my attention into the heavenlies that um, Christ broods over every Sunday with great intention and limitless possibility. Although we are familiar with the um, same motions and familiarity of getting up and going to church on a Sunday, nothing, not even one second or one moment is familiar to Him because of the significant intention and brooding of what He has in the atmosphere for us. Amen? It is limitless. He is, he is the master at creating fresh anointing. He is the master at creating a fresh banquet every time. Freshness. And I've grown up in church, and I'm sure they're just going to turn on one of these lights at the back for me. I've grown up in church, and I remember getting to around 15 and being like, I'm so sick of hearing about the new move of God. or (laughs) Revival's always coming, it feels like. And Felt like every single person that was older than me, often that took a microphone to their hand, was saying the same thing. There's something new coming. And what I found in my interpretation of that is I've pursued God. And what that really means is that in every single moment and every single day, He has something fresh for us. Because He doesn't want us to have the same, same. He doesn't want us to live off what we had yesterday. When I serve my children a meal, I want them to eat that meal. And I say to them, if you don't eat this tonight, I'm just letting you know, when you come back in two hours and you want, you say to me, I'm hungry, I'm going to say to you, well, that's fine. I've saved your meal. Here it is for you and you're going to eat it. 
Who does that? Give me a wave. Or who has done that? Um, because we like to, we save our money and we don't want to waste. Food is an expensive commodity. But what I found in the kingdom is he doesn't do that. When you don't eat what you were supposed to eat yesterday, he doesn't serve it back up to you. He says, don't worry about that spaghetti bolognese I had for you yesterday. I've got something fresh and new for you today. And it's better and it's going to fill you like that other meal didn't fill you. And I don't really care what you did in the last two hours, whether you should have eaten that or not eaten that or you ate lollies instead of eating that and the sugar's now dissipated from your body. I don't care. I just want to give you fresh food. Amen. He's always got something fresh. And every Sunday, every meeting we have, every possible meeting we may have, one day we may fill every Sunday with meetings solely so that we can gather um, the city of Topor into his church. There'll be something fresh in every meeting. There'll be something new on the worship. There'll be something fresh in the word because he never serves up seconds, amen? He never gives us something that we should have had to teach us a lesson. And this series, Lawless Love, I tell you what, I can just feel it. It's going to engage not only Mark and I like never before, but it has the potential to engage you because actually we're really speaking about the core, what is at the core of the Bible? What is at the deep, deep core of the Gospels? Is this lawless, reckless love of a Savior. And we're so familiar with reading the Scriptures that it feels so normal to us that sometimes we forget to see the absolute reckless, lawless, extravagant love of Christ when He walked the earth. And as we really get into this, I feel like I can just feel it. It's going to excite us and re-engage us again, not only with the love that we were found the love that found us, but what we're supposed to do with the love that we've received and it's supposed to find others. Amen. When I talk about this and, and I love night services, I love to see Tamika up there surrounded by Kim and Marie. And I'm like, this is what it's all about. It's all about raising people up. It's all about them. It's all about them, not about us. It's about them, right? It's all about releasing and honoring each other's giftings and um, watching as people walk forth in their destiny, as they begin to uncover and discover like this great present inside them, what God has given them and what a great honor and a great privilege even tonight to witness the second time to make his led worship, knowing that there's such a significant and great call of God on her life, amen, um, to be a part of those people that uh, can say we're a part of the journey, we're a part of the success and honoring it. And when I'm here and when I'm seeing in these moments and when I'm talking about lawless love, and I don't know if you were here this morning, but I encourage you to hop online. The message that Pastor Moke spoke about lawless love is it's deeply, um, it, it's just so much depth to it, and it just captivates and gravitates to our spirit because it's uncovering the beautiful, undescribable, unimaginable, completely uncomprehensible love that propelled our Savior while He walked this earth. And it just makes me and reminds me, and this is how I've been all my life, that I just want to give everything up for Christ. 
I just want to pour my life out like a, like a sacrifice and like an offering for him. I think there is nothing worth living or doing. There is nothing worth seeing or experiencing or saving for. There is nothing that can compare to giving my life for Christ, to pour it out for Him, that I would abandon everything, to live wholeheartedly, that I would love lawlessly, I would love recklessly, I would live uncontained and unashamed and unbound to the stereotypical things of this world, that I would just live for the cause of Christ and no other. And um, I feel it and I, I so hope that God is stirring that up inside your life because because there's nothing worth living for other than him. And one day we're all going to sit in eternity and be reminded of that ever so presently as we sit in the glory of God, that there was nothing worth, nothing worth spending our life on other than him. Yes, things are necessity. Yes, we need to earn an income. Yes, we need to be responsible. All of these things, but only so that we can live completely surrendered and devoted. Those things enable the cause of Christ in our life. Amen. So encouraged by great woman in this house. I think we have such fierce, tenacious, mighty woman. They encouraged my heart. I'm glad that you're here tonight. There's more men um, and women here, which is great, but I'm so passionate about a woman and raising up mighty woman. And I know that God consistently and faithfully draws woman of great strength and capacity, woman of great destiny to this house. And I feel so sorry for their husbands because they have to reckon with the fact that yes, they've married somebody they love, but she first and foremost belongs to Christ. And it is her obligation to fulfill the destiny that Christ has called her on her life and secondly, to be a great wife, amen? Because there is, that is why we're created and designed, to wreak havoc on this earth and to raise a great and a mighty army like never before, to sing the songs of salvation, sing songs of deliverance and songs of freedom over um, our great city or our great town, Topor, our great nation, and over the nations to come. And I see us woman as a great army, fierce and mighty in battle, charging forward. And I think there's a great capacity in women to be great warriors, but um, we also have this incredible maternal side of the father, of how to love, and, um, and just this beautiful part of who we are that is unique to who we are. Men also have a, I'm not so captivated by what men carry. It's good and it's great and it's significant and it has its place and I want to follow it and be a part of it. But I'm not as captivated by that as what I'm captivated by this incredible um, way he has created woman and designed us to be. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into um, Mark. What a great name. 14, Matthew, Mark. Luke and John. 14, verse 1. <laughs> Sorry. Now, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the festival, they said, or we may have a riot. 
While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Hariatu, he says. <laughs> he doesn't often say hariatu, but he would have said hariatu right here. <laughs> Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so we tell the story again tonight, witnessing what this woman did. This woman who responded to Christ in reckless love. I can only imagine what it would be like for a woman to be in a room of powerful men and to have enough courage to do something she knew would be highly scorned. She knew it would not be received well. The climate of this room, I'm going to talk a little bit about this when we get to Luke, was one of great judgment, was one of great, I'll look at you and tell you who you are. There was a class system operating, and it was all about who, what nationality you were, what job you had, what money and finance you were from, and what gender you were, and still even back then, what colour your skin was. It was a judgmental, racist, gender um, oppressive environment that this story was told in. And she has this beautiful display of reckless love that broke every law she was raised to understand and know. But not only do we see that, we see Christ come and show a reckless love back to her. He edified her. And in the scripture, it must have been revealed to him at that moment from the Father that what she did would become a testimony for all of eternity. Many, many reckless moments happened of people's love towards Christ. But in this instance, he honored her with saying, your testimony will be told for all time. Let's just whip now to um, Luke 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, sorry. I've got a terrible retention rate of remembering, remembering anything. Luke 15. Now this is Jesus. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now for us, this type of reckless love would feel like everyone that you know who has wronged you, hurt you, robbed you, mistreated you, all around a table. 
and you're sitting there feeling that pain and that anger. Why would Jesus sit with people I do not like? People who have robbed me, mistreated me and hurt me. Why would he do that? I this moment can picture people sitting around the table that have hurt me and robbed me. And it's in this environment that the Pharisees, this is not words they're saying, but these are words being uttered from a deep, intense feeling of anger and just judgment. These ones are not worthy. I am worthy. I've spent my life studying your word. I've been a Christian all my life. Not only have I been a Christian my life, but my parents and their grandparents have been a Christian all their life. I have never eaten meat. I am all of the, I fulfilled the law to this moment. It is my seat at the table. It is my turn to be around Christ. Yet here you are, Jesus, with everyone I scorn, everyone that has mistreated me, the tax man who's robbed me who's made me pay thousands and thousands of dollars I should never have paid. These kind of stories. So we see this intense climate and where the law is so deeply entrenched, judgment is so deeply entrenched in people's right and their prerogative. And Jesus says this, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully pours it out on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. I have made, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And we can see what Christ is saying here is, I am here for the hurting and the dirty. I've come because the sick need a doctor, amen? And I rejoice more in the salvation of one of my lost sons and daughters than I rejoice in the hundreds who perceive themselves to be righteous. And I'm not at all saying this tonight because I'm challenging you about where you're at. But how do we keep our heart engaged in lawless love? Because you and me, we have a tendency in our humanity to become like the Pharisees. We have a tendency, it's just human nature, it's not bad, it's, not, it's just who we are and we've got to reckon with that. We are prone to judging. But when we realise that once it was us sitting around a table, once we were the ones that had mistreated people. We were the ones that had robbed and stealed and destroyed. I know for my life I have. I know I've said things I shouldn't have said. I know I've said words that have hurt. 
I know I've made mistakes judging people in the past, righteous judgment, thinking I'm superior and I have the ability to judge in their life. And I know I would have been one of those people at their table when they walked around with all the people that had hurt and mistreated them. Would have been me sitting there. And when we have that deep realisation that we're just like everyone else and Christ came to save us. Not only did He save us, but He redeemed us. That His love for us was lawless and reckless. He loves us with no regard to the danger or the consequence of His life. That was demonstrated on the cross. No matter what the consequence, He was determined to pay the sacrifice for our sin. He didn't do it just to, to give us eternity in heaven. He did it to remove eternal separation. You're gonna see what I'm saying tonight. You didn't go to the cross with your eternity in heaven in mind. What drove Him to the cross was the pain of that separation that He had and He could possibly always have if He didn't go to the cross. His love is not careless, it's lawless, it's reckless. And when we go into times in our life where we come under pressure, when situations come around us, where we have to forgive, where we have to constantly be pouring out lawless love, it reflects where our foundational truth is. It reflects what we really believe of God's love about us. Sometimes we can fall into the trap that we just kind of, we're living a good life. We're not one of those people who needs that lawless, reckless love. And as the squeeze comes on and we come back to our foundations, we come back to what we really believe happened that day when Christ gave us salvation. We need to remember afresh, we were the ones sitting at the table. We were the ones that robbed and mistreated. And Christ's love fought every barrier for us, forgave every sin. He wipes the slate clean day in and day out for us. His love fought for us, it pursued us. That's our foundational truth. And when we experience the reckless, the lawless love of God, so we can love, not like the Pharisees, but like Mary did that day when she poured oil. I think to myself, would I do the same? Would I do the same in that atmosphere of judgment, that atmosphere of tension and conflict, the heaviness, would I have enough courage to walk in and, and despite every law, be lawless in my love for Christ, be reckless in my love for Christ, not careless, but reckless. And I know that you would, I know you would, I know I would, if we've really deeply got the truth of how He loves us deposited 
inside of who we are. I found this to be a growing truth in my life. (laughs) God is interested in always being in the messy, not being in the tidy. He, in fact, I believe, I have an inkling that He bores with the tidy environment of our life, the tidy environment of our marriages, our families. He's more interested in real, raw and messy. And so we see at the beginning of these two stories, He's found with the messy people. And we're no different tonight. We're all messy. It's just that we choose to probably engage with God and allow Him into those tidy parts of our life. He doesn't try and control atmospheres or situations. I see Him so comfortable when He's on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. He can see into all the supernatural. He can see into the physical. And I see Him, I know, because the Word says, He's hanging on the cross in deep pain and deep anguish and deep sacrifice. And not only is His body in pain, His spirit is cut off from, from God, from His Father. The worst pain He could ever feel was that separation. But not only is His spirit and His soul in agony, He sees the devil dancing victoriously. All in a moment, He sees His greatest enemy rejoicing in victory. You know, the Word says the enemy thought he had won. The enemy thought, today I win. And Jesus experienced all of that and He was all good with it. In fact, He stayed there for hours. This was not a single glimpse or a single moment, but this was hour upon hour and He was okay with it. It seems to me He's okay with the mess. He's okay with hectic, chaotic situations because what triumphs everything is His lawless love, His love that breaks every boundary, breaks every law and always ends in victory. In Luke, the story I told you about at the the first, sorry, in Mark, the first story I told you about where he's sitting and Mary comes and washes his feet. He's sitting in an environment of betrayal. Judas Iscariot is there, it says in verse 10. And right after this great demonstration of love, Judas decides to betray him. He sat in an environment of deep betrayal and still loved lawlessly and recklessly those in front of him. It's so inspiring. It's so compelling and captivating that not only can he do that as he is a great demonstration, so he calls us to sit in the mess, to sit in the betrayal, to sit in just the 
intensity. And his advice to us is just love lawlessly, love recklessly. Sit around the table with those you judge and love them lawlessly, amen? Isn't that just an incredible snapshot of the limitless, lawless, reckless love of the God that pursued us, that won us, that is for us, that is captivating our attention. To love lawlessly. I encourage you to read those two scriptures this week and to just let it sink into your heart. Let, because when you read this stuff, <laughs> it just changes you, man. It just actually, it's like these stories of Christ, they imprint into your spirit. They begin to, they just change you. They change the way you think. They change the way you engage with Him. They change the way you see everything about you. And one of the greatest challenges for us as a church in this series is not going to be that we love lawlessly, but that we're found in places that we can love lawlessly. That we're sitting around tables with sinners and betrayers, with harlots, And we have the opportunity to love lawlessly, to show the reckless love of God, amen. That will be our greatest challenge we find as people in this church. Not to agree and understand, but to experience loving lawlessly. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.